morning. Deb Gloss here. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about, about being on the funeral team. Uh, being on the funeral team means that we do a dinner or a luncheon for the grieving, their family, and their guests. Uh, we hope that planning a meal for your guests is one less thing for you to have to worry about doing. Uh, when you lose someone, it is a time when there's so much to plan, so much to do, and it is so difficult to think and focus at this time. Um, details are hard to come by, and we hope that we provide a little bit of comfort and uh, just taking this one thing off your plate. Uh, we are your church. We're here for you, and we would love to help. Another place that I find great comfort is in my life group. Uh, Life Group is an amazing group of friends that share your faith. They pray with you. We share praises together. We meet once a week, but we keep in touch all week uh, through texting in case we have a praise or in case we have a prayer request. Uh, there's just no better people than uh, my community of my Life Group. I'm so grateful that I joined. and. Uh, God will comfort us uh, in our time of need, and we, He comforts us through each other. Well, we're continuing in this series, One Another Through the Summer. That was Deb Gloss, and uh, there are several individuals that, uh, that serve on the funeral team. And uh, I asked her to share specifically, for a specific reason, um, I can't imagine another ministry at such a crucial time in people's lives that provides comfort. And it, of course, I would associate comfort with food. But, um, and we'll get to more to that here in just a second. But, but uh, I'm so appreciative, uh, specifically of these ladies that continue just to, to do this. In a church our size, uh, there's a lot of funeral dinners. And uh, it's one of those things that we're able to do as the body of Christ. And I've watched those ladies um, in that kitchen. I've watched their spirit I've asked them, specifically some of them, why they do what they do, and I think they just get it. They understand that in those moments, the last thing a family wants to worry about is how are we gonna feed all these people or what do we need to do and all that kind of stuff. It might sound strange that something as simple as that provides comfort, but I would guarantee you that if you've ever been in those situations where that funeral team has been able to do that for you, it's been comforting, it's been comforting. She also mentioned life groups. We would love for you to jump into a life group. If you want more information, we'd encourage you to pick up a Next Steps card, fill that out on the back. All of that to say, we are in this series and, and this idea of comforting one another. And again, whenever I hear comfort, there's another word that automatically gets associated with that. And it's food. Uh, comfort, food. So this last week, I put on our Facebook page, I asked people, what is your favorite comfort food? Assuming that everybody's was already Little Debbie Swiss cake rolls. Because, I mean, that's just how the world is. But what is your favorite? I, mean, I got all kinds of stuff. Everything, of course, there was chocolate, there was ice cream was a comfort food, all those different comfort foods. Um, somebody said Scrapple. Does anybody know what Scrapple is? Okay. All right, I see some hands. Okay, so uh, all kinds of different comfort mac and cheese, mashed potatoes and gravy. All right, it's only 9.30. Lunch isn't for a couple more hours, so. But uh, there are times, I think, that you just kind of crave comfort food, like when you're under stress. 
when you're under stress. You just kind of want to sit down. Why is it a comfort food? And I think it's a comfort because it provides comfort because it reminds us of something, makes us feel a certain thing. I discovered that after I got married that one of my comfort foods was not high on my wife's list of comfort foods. Um, or most anybody else for that matter. It's liver with onions with a slab of bacon on the side. Listen, I tell people not to judge other people all the time. And that was a collective judgment you just passed upon me. It's, and the bacon has to be slightly undercooked, if that makes it even better, right? I know, I know, I know, okay. So when I was five years old, nobody informed me that that was gross. Nobody informed me that that wasn't a good thing to eat. Um, it's a meal, liver and onions with a little slightly undercooked slab of bacon. It takes me back, actually, to the bar that my grandmother used to work in Peoria, Illinois. And there were men sucking on cigarettes and Budweiser's and sitting on red vinyl bar stools. And my mom would take me in there to visit my grandma and it was always every Wednesday. And those men would be challenging me to man up and eat liver and onions with all these guys sucking on cigarettes and Budweiser's. And so I did, five years old. Man, that's just, now that may not be a comforting picture in your mind for you, okay, but you gotta remember, I was five years old, okay? There's a lot of stability. As I think back on those, that time, and I think even back on that meal, there's a lot of stability that's residing in those memories. Some of the better memories of my childhood, actually, and some of the better memories of the people in my childhood. And it was also a time where, man, at five years old, there's just not a lot of weight you have to carry or you shouldn't. Uh, you shouldn't have to carry it. But at five years old, doesn't feel like the weight of the world's on your shoulders. Uh, life is just kind of lived. I hadn't experienced much loss at that point in my life, much pain in my life. So those, those are comforting memories. So when I think about what, is it, what do I just want to just kind of check out? Liver and onions, that's my, that's my go-to in this no judgment zone, okay? Now, in times of stress, I think it's natural to want comfort. I do. Uh, for the world just to kind of stop long enough for you to catch your breath. Have you ever felt that? When, when there's something that comes up in your life and you're just like, seriously, if there was a pause button, let's hit it right now. I need to breathe. I need some space. I need something that's not spinning right now, right in this moment. A reprieve, so to speak. Now, food probably isn't the most productive way to seek comfort along with all kinds of other different things in life. But one of the great promises of Scripture is that God provides comfort when we need it. And the primary way that God is going to provide that comfort is through the body of Christ. It's through each other, one another. So we started this series a little over a month ago. All throughout the New Testament, there are all these one another's. We're supposed to be one anothering each other, encouraging one another, bearing one another's burdens, welcoming one another, all kinds of different stuff. And I want to take just a moment here to say thank you, because last week we had our block party. First of all, if you're a volunteer for that, thank you so much. It was an amazing, and amazing day. Yeah, it was great. And one of the things that I challenged you to do was be welcoming. We invited all of our neighbors around this facility, and, uh, and a bunch of them came. And maybe you're even here today, and we, we're glad that you're with us. But you, you were welcoming one another, and it was great. It was fun to really kind of watch that. Uh, take place. But these are all throughout the New Testament, and all of them really come back to this primary one, this central one another, which is love one another. How do you love 
one another. And today we're talking about comforting one another. And I want to share a passage of scripture with you to kind of give us some context. Now, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, right at the beginning of the book of 2 Corinthians. But 1 Thessalonians 4.18 is actually where the words comfort one another come from. But they really flesh out their context from the Apostle Paul in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians. So the passage is on the screen. Let me read this for you. While I'm reading it, count how many times the word comfort is used. Praise be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. Paul wins the contest for how many times you can shove one word into one paragraph. Okay, It's in there a lot, so let's Let's define a couple of things really quick before we jump in. The word comfort does not mean the absence of convenience. Um, If if you're uncomfortable because you've been made, if something's inconvenient in your life, that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul, Paul uses a very specific word to actually describe why we might need comfort from one another. He uses the word troubles. The word troubles. Now, if you look on the screen, you're going to see some synonyms for the word troubles. Suffering, distress, pain, misery, wretchedness. That's a word right there, isn't it? Hardship, adversity, sorrow, torment. Okay, so if you feel like you're suffering adversity, if you feel today like, man, my life is just wretched because your parents didn't buy you the best cell phone that's out, or because the server didn't fill your drink up quick enough at the restaurant. We need to have, yeah, you got troubles, but they're different kind of troubles. We have a completely different conversation. Okay. What Paul is describing here is the troubles that come with loss. It's loss. Those, what I would call those mile marker moments in your life. And I know most of you have probably had those. I call them mile marker moments because you're living your life and you have ideas, you have thoughts, you have patterns, you have behaviors, you have all of this stuff going on and then something happens. Somebody dies, somebody gets sick, you lose a job, you relocate, you do, whatever it is, there's something that comes that's stressful, that's uncomfortable, that disrupts your life, that brings troubles into your life and it's almost like a flag, boom, gets planted right there. And then you live your life after that moment and your life after that moment looks different and reacts different and feels different than it did before that mile marker. And there's good mile marker moments too, right? There's not just bad ones. But these mile marker moments of my of life and and I know in my life and I talk about this a lot. uh, I talk about the loss of my parents quite often. You probably picked that up. And part of the reason is those are mile marker moments in my life. My life was one way and then this loss took place. And all of a sudden, there's, there's a defining moment where my life 
was lived out a little bit differently than it was prior to that moment. And I know you've experienced some of those mile marker moments, and he's describing loss here. It's the, it's the kind of a loss that you don't experience just emotionally, but you have a, actually have a physical reaction to a loss. Have you ever experienced that? Where you physically, your body reacts to a loss, a, re, a physical reaction. That is kind of what Paul is centering on as he's challenging people to comfort one another. And he does it for a very specific reason. It's because we all need it. Number one, we all need comfort. Even if you say, I'm doing fine, your eyes betray you (laughs) when they fill with tears, okay? We all need comfort. We all need comfort. There's this book, Love One Another, and the, this author, Jerry Sitzer, he writes this. He says, sooner or later, every person loses someone or something. Every person is forced to reconsider expectations, a long and healthy life, happy marriage, successful career. You have to reconsider expectations that unfavorable circumstances dash to the ground. Grief is a school that every person must enter. Now, What that grief centers around may be all kinds of different things for all kinds of different people. You may lose a job again, maybe a death of a dream or a relationship. Whatever the case is, the question is, what have you lost? Who have you lost? And whatever it is, in those losses, there's chaos, right? There's disorder. There's the way I was living my life, and then this moment happened where troubles came, and now it brings chaos. I can't predict how things are gonna be on the back side of this anymore. I was doing great, <laughs> and then this thing happened, and it scrambled everything. And now I don't have answers to every single thing going on in my life anymore. Are you following me here? It's those kinds of moments that he's talking about. It might be any of those, and, and this author had one of those moments. So he writes this story, and he writes this book. He's written several books, but uh, he lost his mother, his wife, and his youngest daughter in a car accident, in a car accident. Um, And not long after that, he writes about how he was having a dream at night. And in that dream, he was running west, like he was just running, physically running west, and the sun kept getting further and further away, it started slipping below the horizon, and he was chasing the light. And no matter how hard he ran, No matter how hard he tried to go faster and faster to keep up with the light, the light just kept on going over the horizon. And then he woke up and he recognized something. And he wrote this. He said the quickest way to reach the light was to actually turn around and head east into the darkness to the light on the other side of it. The light was going to come around. And he could keep chasing it but the darkness kept coming. He said the fastest way, the easiest way, the most important way to get to the light was to face the darkness and go through it and go through it. Now, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. <laughs> that is not, I mean, if we're voting, can we vote on that? I mean, I, that's not the way I'm voting. I would vote for the no pain route. And I'm sure that you have experienced that or you know somebody who has. For, and, and for some people, they do all kinds of things to try to chase after that light. It doesn't work. So what does? 
What works is the comfort that God provides through the gift of his Holy Spirit. That's number two, the gift of his Holy Spirit. I know we're talking about how we might comfort one another, and we'll get there in a second, but it, it does truly begin. The comfort that you and I need is a comfort that only comes from God. I might be able to say a few things and do a few things in your life when, when you're at a loss or you're struggling through something, but you need something that I can't give. You need something that we can't give. You need something that only God can give, and he will do that through his Holy Spirit because God's Spirit is the Spirit of comfort. He's, he's promised to us as a comforter. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive from God. You don't need my comfort. You need God's comfort that might make itself available through the Holy Spirit working in me. And the same goes for you. People need God's comfort as it's working through you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? This isn't really about us. And what's really interesting about Paul is the New Testament's full of a bunch of letters. When we say the book of Corinthians, it's a letter to a church. And so in most of Paul's books or letters, it's a normal letter. It opens with, hey, this is Paul. I'm an apostle. You know, you remember me. I was here a while back. You remember when I brought so-and-so? Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of all these formalities at the beginning of his letters. Um, you, can, you can see it in Philippians 1, Colossians 1. But here, Paul launches into this idea of trouble and comfort. That's how he begins this letter to the Corinthians. It's a little bit different. It's a little different because Paul, he had some struggles. Um, he was on a missionary journey through Asia, and it was rough. In fact, to say that Paul had troubles is to minimize what Paul went through. Let me read it for you. It's, it's a few chapters later in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, but this is what Paul writes. It says, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. It was illegal to to beat somebody too many times, so they subtracted one, so that it would always be legal. So, so uh, five times I received from the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones, and these weren't like a little beach stone. These were rocks, okay? Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled, and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and often have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Okay, so Paul is somebody who embodied this idea of what it meant to need comfort from other believers. He needed comforting from other believers. And the Greek word is parakaleo, and it means to come alongside of. To comfort somebody is to come alongside of. Jesus promised his disciples that he would send a comforter, a comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be with them. In John 14, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Parakletos, the Comforter of God. Jesus said he would send that Spirit, that Comforter. Let me ask you, are you 
in a place of pain this morning? Suffering, struggling. The good news is that God has provided the Holy Spirit to comfort you. He did. He promised in Scripture, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. God's Spirit is with you today to give you comfort. Now, that's super spiritual, Pastor Rich. Like, I mean, that sounds really, really good. Sounds like a really good deal, but hey, man, uh, I don't feel comforted. I don't feel better. I don't feel better. Comfort does not mean the absence of affliction. And that's hard. It's comfort in the midst of it. It's having somebody alongside of you in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your affliction. So, so how does God do that? Well, he does it through a body of comfort. Number three, through a body of comfort. Again, the word parakaleo, the, it appears 59 times in the New Testament. 59 times. 29 of those are in the book of 2 Corinthians. So this is kind of an overarching theme of Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. Eight times it happens in the passage that we read this morning alone, just a few verses. Eight times. And what he's trying to help them to understand, he even presents himself as an example. And I don't think Paul goes down the litany of things that have happened in his life as kind of like, hey, you want to see who pays the biggest price, who deserves the Medal of Honor, and all that. You know, that's not what Paul's after. He's not got a, like an ego problem. He's pointing to the fact that there are believers that need to be comforted by one another. And so he's helping that Corinthian church. I think he's helping us as well to understand something. God's intention is to dispense comfort to his children inside and outside the church through the power of his Holy Spirit working in and through his church. And that's us. That's you, that's me. Okay, so in the church, man, and I, I've, I've been privileged to see it happen. It's one of the most amazing things. When the church is functioning at its best, man, there is no community on earth that can rival the church's ability to comfort people. I mean, we sang about this pretty incredible eternal hope that we have today, right? I mean, we have Jehovah Jireh. We, we've got this incredible gift that God has given us of assurance of faith, of peace, of joy. And when the church is functioning at its best, man, it is amazing the level of comfort the church can bring. And again, when God's church is at its best, people receive supernatural comfort. There's no shortage of people that experience the church when it's not its best. When it's not its best. And generally, a universal concern in almost any church is, well, you know, the church wasn't there for me when A, B, or C, when whatever it was, fill in the blank. When I was in the hospital, the church wasn't there for me. When, when I lost my job, when my kid was arrested, where was the church? Whatever the circumstance, somebody didn't provide comfort when comfort was needed. The church failed. Uh, somebody didn't serve the way they should have. Somebody fell through the crack, and maybe the person that fell through that crack was you or somebody that you love. So two things first. An apology. Um, I am sorry if you've not received comfort from the church or from me at a time when maybe you have needed it. I'm the pastor of this church, and I take full responsibility if there has been a moment where the church has failed to meet you in your time of need, where you needed comfort. 
we are trying as hard as we can to find the best way to continue to serve one another in this way. I think you all understand in a, in a church that's our size and we're growing, um, my ability to be Johnny on the spot every moment of every single day is not possible. So we've got to figure out ways for us all to own that. Previously, we talked about the fact that we're all members of the body of Christ and that all members are important. So if you're somebody who did not receive comfort when you felt like the church should have given you some comfort or I should have given you some comfort, can I just ask you, and this is unfair, I'm going to ask you for some help. I'm going to ask you to be the church that you want. Be the church that you want. Uh, Comfort others as you want to be comforted. Uh, When we all serve the way God's equipped us to through the Holy Spirit, the church is at its best. The church is at its best. And it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Um, Again, I can't think of a better, more needed time for comfort than when a person loses a loved one. Because I think in those moments when life is frazzled, pieces don't fit anymore, uh, a list of unknowns loom over your head when you lose somebody. Um, The simple comfort of providing a meal of just providing presence is amazing. It's why I asked Deb to share. Um, The other reality of this too is, I don't know if we forget sometimes that sometimes the things that we go through uh, and and ways that we've received comfort is a model for us to be able to turn that back around when somebody's going through a similar situation that we're going through or did go through. And we're able to come along some other people and dispense some of the comfort we ourselves have received. God takes the awful pain of our suffering, and then he, he actually equips us to become his hands and, our feet, and feet to other people. It's the means by which Jesus develops our capacity to care, to be conduits of his compassion for hurting people. Paul wrote it. He says, so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So practically, you know, how can you provide comfort for other people? I mean, I can give you a list of things. I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the things that we could do. I don't, I don't think I need to do that, and we don't need to spend a ton of time on this. You guys are smart. Grab that Next Steps card, fill it out, scan the QR code, somebody will be in contact with you and talk about ways to serve other people. And whenever you're with other people, you're going to find ways and reasons to comfort other people. I learned a long time ago, everybody's struggling with something, especially the most polished-looking ones. Everybody. I want you to say this with me. Everybody say everybody. Everybody. Now say it and convince me. Is struggling with something. Everyone. And everybody is hurting over something. Everybody needs comfort. Everybody does. We also don't only provide comfort for those in the church. The mission of our church is love God, love people, serve the world. One of the amazing opportunities the church has sometimes is to to comfort other people. Um, A lot of times people just need people to listen to them. So we had kind of a unique experience. Um, I was on vacation a couple weeks ago, and uh, I talked to you a little bit last week about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. We talked about uh, a little bit last week about the fact that, you know, there, there is a huge call on the church to be in people's lives, not just for the sake of seeing certain laws change or whatever, 
But, but there's, there's a reality of the call upon our lives to bring comfort into people's lives all the time. And I was gone, uh, and Pastor Ben and the rest of the staff were having lunch talking about what are some things that could happen. All of a sudden, we get a phone call here at the church from an organization here in the community in, in Porter County. Ben chatted with them, and then he and I had the privilege of go chatting with them last week. Unbeknownst to us, one of their staff people was at the block party last Sunday. It was just this whole sequence of events was just kind of really God-orchestrated and really, really cool to watch how this all played out. But the bottom line is there's, a, there's an organization here in town called Healthy Families. It's actually the uh, Family and Youth Services Bureau. And as you leave today, there's actually these packets. I would encourage you to grab one of those on the way out. Their biggest thing that they do right now, it's, the, it's Family and Youth Services Bureau of Porter County. But in this specific facility and, and in this area in Portage, their big focus is the Healthy Families Program. The Healthy Families Program. And what there are, there's about 45 uh, women. 45 women who either are expecting or have young children, and they've given themselves to this program. And their desire really is to come alongside of these young women from prenatal all the way through three years for their children. Come alongside of them, provide a few needs that they might have, but more than anything, they provide training, they provide instruction, they provide education, they show them the things that they need to do to succeed as parents and as families as this young, vulnerable family starts out. Every single one of their clients is a female, is a female. And so when they contacted us, their question, they, as is most nonprofits, they're on like a shoestring budget. And so they contacted us and were like, you know, we, we've decided we're going to start reaching out to churches to see if churches would help us in serving these people who have made a decision to keep a child, but yet have no support around them whatsoever. And again, we're sitting here as a staff thinking, what the heck? How did, how did that just happen? Now, they, they gave us this jug, which um, they're like, hey, if you can sit this out or something and people can drop change in it or cash or, or whatever, if you could do that for a couple weeks, that would be fantastic. Because... They do. They, they literally only have the money to pay for salary, and that's pretty much it. Um, so anything that they get for these women or anything like that, and as we, as we begin to ask a little bit more, to me this felt um, like not enough. I think the church sometimes, and, and I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying, I'm not disparaging a desire to give funds to help somebody, uh, but I think sometimes our idea is, if I can just write a check, or if I can just give money, I've done my part. And I think when it comes to things as important as what we're talking about here, it requires a little more of us than just the ability to give some money and then walk the other way. And I'm not saying that's what we do when we do that, because I think we should, we should support organizations like this. But as we were talking to them, one of the things that really came out was, man, their facility is super small. And they can't ever really have a gathering with all 45 of these women and stuff are like, okay, well, do you want to use our building? Okay, yeah, that's great. You want to have a baby shower? 
in September? Yeah, absolutely. You want to have a Christmas party for all these families in December? Sure, sure, let's do that. But then one of the other things that needs to happen is, uh, how many of you are familiar with Embrace Grace? Have you ever heard that, Embrace Grace? Okay, good. There's a couple of you that know this. A, a number of years ago, there was, an or, there was a, a, a group of women in this church, and Embrace Grace exists as kind of a small group to really wrap their arms around young women who either find themselves pregnant or have recently had a child, and we're encouraging them in their journey of, of young adulthood and young motherhood, and what we're doing is surrounding them with a community. And that really kind of hit the high point. These women are alone. These women are alone. And while we might be able to provide some funds, we might be able to provide some diapers or, or whatever, we need to be able to do those things. What they need more than anything is they need a community because, and I'm, I'm gonna really, <laughs> if you have ever been a young mother, have you ever needed comfort? Have you ever needed somebody to come alongside of you and say, I know, I know. <laughs> Tomorrow's a new day. You get a couple hours of sleep tonight and it's gonna be okay. You need somebody to come alongside of you and bring you comfort. That comes through a community. So I guess I'm saying all that to say this. This'll be around and stuff. It'd be awesome to fill this thing up and send this back to them. But I think sending this back to them is one thing, sending us back to them is another. Sending ourselves and, and following the Great Commission, going out and being disciples in the world we find ourselves in, providing comfort for those that are around us. It's one of the reasons that we're doing the back to school bash, or sorry, bash, blitz, the, the school blitz this year. Last week we had the block party, had everybody come in. This week you've got a seat drop there. We contacted the schools and asked the schools what the needs were. And you see things like gift cards for haircuts, fast food, all kinds of different things, stress balls. But on the back, you see things like new and used snow boots, sports bras. I mean, we're talking about pants, underwear, socks, new t-shirts, deodorant, feminine hygiene products. Okay. Do you feel like those things might bring comfort to those recipients. These are ways that you and I can bring dignity, can bring comfort to the people that are around us. I wanna encourage you to take a look at that and jump on some of that. Um, a lot of people who are hurting and afflicted, they just need somebody to listen to them. Uh, practical help offers comfort in unique ways. You know, you could rake leaves for somebody who's struggling with a loss. You could babysit for an overwhelmed couple. Uh, I can guarantee right now there are 50 ways in this room you can offer comfort to somebody else. Um, unfortunately, I think we buy the, the lie of the world that says, you know, God's not a God of love. If he was, uh, there wouldn't be any suffering. In your more distraught moments, have you ever wondered that? I have. I have. Why so much pain? Why so much affliction if God is a God of love? If not, it's not the absence of suffering that makes God a God of love. I mean, we need to understand that. It is, it's, it is hope in the midst of loss. It's hope in the midst of suffering. And I'm so proud of this congregation uh, for the, the ways that you do this. Are there sometimes gaps when people don't stand in them? Do we do this perfectly? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. However, as we all take up the challenge to comfort one another, the church is at its best. And you might think, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Can I tell you probably one of the best ways, the greatest way the church provides comfort is just to be present. Um, I've learned a long time ago that sometimes my best tool is to be quiet. And I get paid to talk, okay? But sometimes I don't need to talk. Sometimes I don't need to say anything. It's the ministry of presence because what it communicates is you're not alone. You're not alone. A good comforter sometimes does nothing more than represent Jesus. Just represent. So let me ask you, who do you need to comfort today? Is there anything that you need to surrender? And that's really been the question through this series. What do you need to surrender to do these one another's? But is there anything that you need to surrender to give or even receive comfort today? How will you be a conduit of the Holy Spirit and become the hands and feet of Jesus this week? Would you stand with me? Father, in your grace and mercy, uh, you know all the details of our lives. You know exactly what our needs are. You know exactly the, the desires in our heart, the burdens that we carry, the pain. Father, that sometimes keeps us up at night, the... Um, the uncertainty of so many things, but yet in the midst of it all, you provide comfort. You promise to never leave us. You promise to never forsake us. You promise to draw near. And in that drawing near, Father, um, the gift of presence that you give us, and it's just a reminder that in our greatest need, you became present physically with us. The incarnation of Jesus Christ is this great reminder that you will never leave us. You will never leave us alone. Now, Father, as we turn and look at each other, as we turn and walk out into this world that we find ourselves in, I pray that the message that everybody would receive is that you'll never be alone, that there will always be a people, that there will always be somebody who will grab your hand, who will, uh, Father, uh, walk that walk with somebody who's struggling. Help us to be the kind of a church, help me to be a pastor. Father, that does this well, and uh, help us to glorify you as we do it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. This jug will be somewhere in the foyer. If you want to fill it up, go to town. They will use every bit you can, but uh, hey, let's jump in and be involved. Thanks. Thanks.